When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This Ace Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. From baseball's top personalities, the Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters, Bob Costas is here on A's Cast Live. To the A's legendary players, five-time Major League Baseball home run champ, Mark McGuire is with us here. You never know what stories you're going to hear. We used to come out here to lunch and run with our shirts off. <laughs> you would say. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered. What a group here. We got Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic, Sarah Langs from MLB.com, and the Twitter star. And now he's got a lot of people knocking on his door, the pitching ninja, Rob Friedman. But we'll start with Ken Rosenthal as Ken. It's always great to have him on. We had him on from the field. We don't get him often as he's one of the top columnists in Major League Baseball. Ken Rosenthal joins us here on A's Cast Live once again. It's great to have you back. How are you? Chris, how are you? Good to be here. And it was like two spring trainings ago last time we saw you. I know, I know. Well, it's been a little bit crazy the last couple of years. Lockout, WBC, so it's great to be here. Well, you know, you're a great person to ask. Speaking of the WBC and the new rules, I couldn't remember the last time going into a season we had so much momentum, good momentum going into, and now with the rules working – uh, just what do you think of baseball right now? I would totally agree with that, that the momentum coming into this season was much better than in the past couple, right? We had the lockout, we had COVID, we had all kinds of things going on, and the WBC was a great launching point for this season, and then the rules. The rules, Chris, have made, as you know, a huge difference in the play, the pace of play, the time of game, of course, but I don't know that that's everything, because we can see a great three-hour game, but... It's the pace of that three-hour game now that matters. And the sport is just more enjoyable. And I think for the players and talking to them, it's more fun to play. Their athleticism can show. They can do things that maybe they were restricted from doing before. So overall, it's as positive a place for the sport as it's been in quite some time. There's no threat of labor problems. We're four years away from that. Yeah, It's a good place. This is Ricky Henderson Field. This is where the greatest base dealer grew up. Born and raised here, played here. I'm an 80s kid, so I remember Vince Coleman, Tim Raines. I try and tell all these kids who watch the show, that was baseball to me. We're seeing it again. Yes, and, well, Ricky, of course, was the ultimate, and there'll never be another Ricky. And I remember covering games in this park, late 80s, early 90s, with some of those teams that they had, and it was so much fun. But, yes, The fact that the running game is back is a huge thing for the sport, and it's exciting. It adds an element that's been missing, and I don't know how it's all going to play out (laughs) because teams will adjust. They'll do different things, and if the success rate falls, teams will back off, but I don't know how much it's going to fall with these rules. So it's going to be really interesting to see. It'd be interesting to ask Ricky. I think, actually, the Athletics Brick Girl, did ask him this. That is correct. How yeah. many would you steal in this environment? <laughs> I, I forgot Ricky's answer. It was probably like 200 or something. But Well, right now we have a 95% success rate stealing third. He loves stealing third. Yep. I mean, I can't even imagine what it would be like any of those guys. But the one thing that I think about, because we start to see a blueprint where all 30 teams look the same, the yes. way they were building their yes. teams. Now, if we get in a game, we're still going to have the Yankees trying to hit the ball at the ballpark in certain teams, but now running teams versus home run teams, teams truly built on speed and defense. Isn't that better for our game to have multiple matchups? Styles make fights. I totally agree. I don't know that it's going to happen. And one executive is explaining to me that the best way to score is still to walk and hit home runs. Yeah. Okay, I get that, but... My question to him was about the point you just raised. Won't it be good to see maybe Arizona, the way they're playing, Kansas City, the way they're playing? This guy was saying, no, no, no. It's still going to be home runs and walks. But I don't necessarily agree with that. 
and there will be more of a diversity of style here. And that, too, is healthy. The game was too one-dimensional. It was all power, all power on both sides. Velocity is all that mattered. And from an offensive standpoint, hit the ball out of the ballpark. Well, we'll see if velocity holds. It's holding so far as the pitch clock has an effect on guys as time goes on. Will there be more injuries? Will guys lose a little bit of their fastball? Will they throw more breaking pitches? Because that clock and the accelerated pace takes a toll. I don't know the answers to any of these, but it's going to be really interesting to find out. If you look in your crystal ball, obviously Oakland is a situation. Baseball needs to figure this out. If you look in your crystal ball, I know you hear a lot of different things. I mean, you're the top insider in our game. What do you think happens with our franchise? I don't know. And my instinct is they end up in Vegas. But I know from being here that there's tremendous passion here for the team among the team's fans. And while we don't always see all of them here, the ones who are here are extremely passionate, and there are others out there wanting and waiting to come back. So, I'm not an expert on Bay Area politics, yeah. but if they ever could figure it out, in my view, the franchise could be successful here. And I'm not just saying this because I'm on A's radio yeah. or whatever. I've seen this. We all see this, and we all know it. But it has to happen. And how long have we been talking about this? It's insane time. how long we've been talking about it. So I would hope the commissioner is good to his word and that this gets resolved one way or the other by the end of the year because it's not a healthy situation for Oakland, for the players, for the staff, for the front office, for the fans. It needs to come to an end. Let's end on this. As so many things in baseball are changing, our fans understand, as we created A's Cast, which started out as audio, now video, we're by far number one in Major League Baseball. Uh, what helps is we're a, a tech-friendly world here in the Bay Area. But as you mentioned, the interest, I've always said the athletic. People would have thought paying for a website, well, it's journalism that's second to none. Eno Saris joins us every single week. He was just here. I talk about whether you're a football fan, a baseball fan. I get all the soccer updates, NBA for Warrior fans. Subscribe to The Athletic because it's truly great journalism. We now have the problem in baseball with cable. Yeah. So we took a leap with this. You took a leap in your career with The Athletic. Mm -hmm. And I think there's going to be a whole new leap with how we're watching games on devices or television. Our world, we've been in it, but I think baseball, people are starting to realize how we get our information and how we watch baseball is changing in front of our eyes. It always does. And I can just look at my own career. I've had to adapt at many different stages because of the different forms of getting information out there and talking about things and writing about things. And that's the natural course of events. And as technology becomes more prominent and new things are introduced that's what happens and baseball yes there's an adjustment period that's going to have to go on now with the streaming situation we all know that hopefully we get to a better place where fans are not blacked out anymore and it seems to me the people in the commissioner's office understand this it's getting from point a to point b that's not so easy i get that but this too needs to be resolved well i'll tell you what second to none whether it's writing television you name it He's the best in our game, and oh, it's thanks, always Chris. an honor to have you on the program. I appreciate that, man. Thanks very much. And from one great writer to another, she is one of our all-time favorites, the great Sarah Langs from MLB.com. We're going to go a different strategy. So could this be a year? And that's where Sarah Langs comes in from MLB.com, joining us here on A's Cast Live. How are you? You look great. I am great. How are you? I'm excited. This is our last game of the Bay Bridge series. I'm sure your mom's excited as a huge Giants fan to get this thing going. Uh, I know how much you love the game of baseball, and we love our uh, – we read you, and uh, we know the content that you have to come up with in the offseason. But after this, we get to actually have real games, and you get to write about real things, not projections, not guesses, not hypothesis – actual real baseball i know you got to be excited oh yeah i mean i'm so excited the fact that yesterday was our last sunday without baseball until november was absolutely amazing and i'm just so excited for real numbers as you said real games real matchups i mean on thursday we're gonna have eight cy youngs on the bump 
across the board, eight pitchers who have won at least one Cy Young. It's going to be a really, really fun way to get this started. Yeah, that there is no question about that. Opening day, we, we were kicking it around, and I don't want to sound like Old Man River about when you know, you're talking about um, – the opening day starter. It seems like some organizations don't care anymore about, you know, because it's just game one of 162. But there's still some of us who like the tradition of that first guy, that first matchup. It's the best of the best. It's opening day. It's the bunting. It's the national anthem. It's the packed crowd. It, it, it still means, please tell me, sir, it still means something. Well, of course it does. And you can see it. I mean, with uh, Cody's Pirates, we saw when Mitch Keller was named opening day starter. They had a video with him getting named in the manager's office and, you know, everything that he felt about getting that honor to be that guy kicking it off. So, yes, I mean, sometimes it comes down to who's healthy, who's available. But I think there's still a lot of honor and a lot that comes with being that opening day starter. I, I, I want to know what you think from a number standpoint. Now, you don't have the numbers yet to really delve into it, but maybe, just maybe, there's something from spring training that you have seen that, you know, like I mentioned with the A's, and there's quite a few teams like this, the, 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 the script everybody's been running, home runs, walks, that's how you score. There's a lot of teams that are not going to be able to score like that. They're just not built that way. They just don't have that kind of offense. But now – you got teams being encouraged. It's not like it's someone's like coming out of nowhere saying, you know what, we're going to do this. It's like baseball saying, please steal more bases. Please put the ball in play. Please be more interesting. Play a different style of baseball. We're giving you pitch timers. We're giving you no shifts. We're giving you bigger bases. We're doing everything we can to get you dummies to do something else. Will we see teams say, you know what, we're now playing a different brand of baseball, and then you'll have a great contrast of home run teams against teams who run, teams who play better defense. Are we going to see that, do you think? I do think the game will look pretty different. To me, the stolen bases is the big thing, uh, really, aesthetically, that we'll see. We'll see a lot more of those. And, of course, not having the shift means we'll get those base hits from lefties, especially that have been ground balls for the last, you know, 10 years. But overall, I think hitters are still who they are. I think we'll see some guys maybe transform a bit. But I'm not sure the entire brand of baseball will be different. But I do think that those bits and pieces will be there where hopefully we see more guys on base. We see more action on the base. Plus, I mean, we've already seen with the time of games in spring training, there is more action. There is less dead time, less waiting time. So I think we will really see that too an even larger degree once games get underway and they matter as opposed to spring training. Yeah, it's like it's like we hope, we don't know, we've got an idea about spring training. I just, I don't know how we can possibly look at it and say this is not, some people don't think it's going to be dramatic. Some people do. I'm on the dramatic side. I'm a talk show host. I think batting average for lefties is about to, like, like it's going to change. And the reason why I say it, Sarah, people try and think of this too much of um, too much about strategy and less about what human beings are like. And for hitters, they have been in this realm of they've been locked in thinking, oh, God, if I hit a ground ball, I'm out. So their mind has been cluttered. I have a feeling that now the players are going to get up to the plate and have freedom again. They're going to have freedom, kind of like a golfer, tight fairway versus big fairway. You got a big fairway, grip it, rip it. I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of freedom at the plate for these left-handed hitters compared to like they've almost felt like they're a little bit in jail. Now it's going to be freedom, and I think that freedom, and now you're going to see balls just flying all over the place, up the middle to the right side, way more hits, batting average going up. I'm expecting big things. What would you bet on? I mean, I do think that's a really good point because the way that we track shifts, 
in the time that Zacath has been tracking them, allows us to see any results that happened when there was a shift. I remember when we first got this data a couple of years ago, it came out that there were a lot more strikeouts when the shift was on. So that gets to your point that those that are seeing the shift were maybe, you know, protecting too much, swinging over too much, in trying not to hit that ground ball right at that guy who was shifted over. So without the shift, again, it's not just that we'll see those ground ball base hits, but that we'll see other outcomes maybe increase as well. I am always not inclined to say we'll be super dramatic, but I do think this will be much more dramatic than any other change we've seen lately, right? We saw the intentional walk stopping for pitches. We've seen, you know, mound visits restricted, things like that over the last few years. This seems like it's going to feel like very different baseball compared to last year. When you look at what I know it's near and dear to your heart, the Mets, and you look at the Braves, and you look at the defending national champs, the Phillies. Wow. It just seems like this is going to be, you know, a, a lot of fun to watch certain divisions. I think this – I mean, you got three teams. I mean, the best – one of the best memes that they had out there last year was a picture of two guys fighting, and it was the Braves and the, and the Mets – and then they had the guys over there smoking, just watching the fight, having a good time. It was the Phillies. It was one of the great pictures, right? It was so hilarious. But that's like this is going to be a full-on absolute brawl in the National League East. And, of course, we know what a big Mets fan you are. There's so much attention around the Mets. Uh, Mets-Yankees baseball, the fight in New York City is back and alive just just, you know, when you think about this season from the NL East to the Battle of New York, how you feeling? I mean, that NL East is going to be fascinating. Last time I looked, it was the only division with three teams projected to win at least 89 games. And, of course, those Pakota projections are usually a little conservative. But to me, what really stands out is that each team has had some sort of roadblock or bump in the road lately. The Phillies, obviously, we knew Bryce Harper wouldn't be back until midseason, but now the Reese Hoskins injury. With the Mets, obviously, the Edwin Diaz injury. And for the Braves, they had this shortstop battle in camp between Brendan Chumick and Von Grissom. They ended up saying neither of them won the job, sending them down. And Orlando Arcee is going to be their starting shortstop. So each team is not in the exact spot they expected to be right now. But regardless, they're all kind of on equal playing field. I mean, I've been picking the Braves to win mostly because they have the youth in a way that maybe the Mets lack a little bit. And the Phillies, if Harper were back a bit sooner, maybe I would be picking them. But, I mean, every day I go back and forth, and I know I have to submit an official pick sometime in the next three days. I'm looking at the calendar on my computer screen, and I still have <laughs> no idea who I'm going to pick. I mean, Mandy Bell covers the Guardian Press and MLB.com and I have a recording podcast in like 20 minutes where I'm going to have to make a pick and I still don't know who I'm going to pick. So, when do you, so okay, so you, you're taping a podcast in 20 minutes? Yeah. Okay. Roughly. But when, when for MLB.com, when do you have to, when do you have to have your official, official picks in? I assume by Thursday morning. All right, so you're going Braves. Where? Where? Right now. Yeah. Do you, do you, okay. Let Let's go out to our division. I mean, I, I we're we're not expecting you to take the A's, even though we'd love you for it. Um, is this the time that you maybe see a little falter in the Astros and maybe a little step for the Mariners up? Can the Mariners take them down? I don't know if this is the year, only because Damn. that pitching. Even without Justin Merlander, it's going to be so good. I love the Jose Abreu ad, but the Mariners are going to be great. So are the Astros. 
I don't know if the Astros are where they've been in the last few years, but they do think there's still a bit of a cut about the Mariners. But the time is coming. The time is coming. All right, Central, I know always – I mean, Cleveland, anybody bets a it's Cleveland, you're kind of like, really? I mean, with, with Terry Francona, a friend of this program, friend of the A's, has done over the years with their pitching and their defense. Uh, obviously, the Twins are going to be good. I, I'm going to say that this year, if you're going to buy a stock in a team who floundered last year and could really change things up to me is the White Sox. Uh, but where would you go in Central? I'm going Guardians there, but I agree with you about the White Sox. They had a lot of injuries last year. I do think they'll be better. For them, it comes down to which is the real Lucas Giolito. He had a really puzzling year last year. So figuring out where he lands up and Lance Lang continuing to be all reliable for them, like he was for Team USA two weeks ago, by the way. So I am still going Guardians, Twins, and then White Sox. But I think the White Sox will be better than last year. Okay, uh, the the Yankees and the Bombers. I I, I mean, at some point, at some point, Toronto's got to stop being the cute sheet pick, and they got to step up. Uh, can't ever bet against the Rays. Boston is still kind of a flip of a coin. What what do they want to be? Uh, Baltimore came on strong at one point last year, started traded their two best, fell off. Are they still going to be a good story? How do you see the East? So I do think it's the Yankees, although the injuries they've had to their pitching staff over the last you know, couple of weeks here, and even just over the weekend with Luis Severino, are definitely troubling. Uh, obviously, Carlos Rodon not starting the season with the team because he's injured is not ideal. But I do still think they're cut above with their judge. Hopefully, Jim Carlos Sands staying healthy. And I'm really excited for Anthony Volpe, who's going to be their shortstop at 21 years old. I think the Blue Jays are second in that division. I know the Rays always have this magic where we don't expect them, and then they're still really good. I think both of those teams will be good, but I think the Blue Jays may have underperformed a bit last year. Obviously, very disappointing postseason exit, but I think they will be really good this year with their pitching, adding Chris Bassett, and I think Vladdy will have. I mean, he wasn't bad last year, but he wasn't the MVP caliber he'd been the year before. I think he bounces back to being more of that MVP level this year. Yeah, Volpe. I mean, this guy, what, he's 21 years old. He's from mm-hmm. he's from New Jersey. I was reading this thing when he was in AAA uh, in Newark. Like, all the teammates were going home uh, to his parents' house, and they were all hanging at his parents' house. And I'm thinking, man, 21 years old, shortstop for the Yankees. Wow. I mean, wow. That's like being a quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, and I mean, he grew up with Derek Jeter being yeah. his favorite player. And now he's going to be the youngest Yankee to start opening day since Derek Jeter in 1996. <laughs> I mean, that's literally what you dream about. Yeah. I saw something on Twitter the uh, other day about how in 2014 at the All-Star Game in Minnesota, he was, what, 13? And he got an autograph from Jeter in what was, I guess, his final uh, final All-Star game there. So, I mean, there's just so much. Yeah. And uh, it'll be really, really fun. God bless him, man. Not many people have that. It's, it's like the kid that comes out. I think it's like, like quarterback. Like you come out of a powerhouse school and next thing you know, you're starting at – at 22 years old in the National Football League, it's like, man, you are living the dream. Okay, quickly, the National League, you already said, are you committed to Bravos? I know you're going on a podcast here, and we got to get you out of here. Are you committed to Bravos? All sick with it, yeah. What about my old guys in the Mets? What about my Mets? What about Scherzer, Verlander, my old guys? Guys who actually pitch innings. Wow. <laughs> I mean, they're going to be great, but you said it, the old guys, that's the question. I also think the Mets offense needed that Carlos Correa upgrade or some sort of upgrade, and they didn't really have that internally, so we'll see. They have some guys down in AAA, Brett Beatty, Francisco Alvarez, Mark Vientos. 
any of them could be an impact by a couple months into the season, but I think the Mets lineup might not be. It doesn't have Roland Acuna Jr. That's all. Also. All righty. So we go to the Central. Pretty standard Cardinals. Brewers could trade people, especially their pitchers. Uh, do you see it any other way than Cardinals? No, I think it's the Cardinals. The Brewers actually had a much better offense last year than people give them credit for. So I do want to mention that. But we tend to think of them as pitching heavy. Overall, I just think the Cardinals are in a really good spot. And by the way, speaking of really exciting call-ups, there's 20-year-old Jordan Walker, who is a Aaron Judge-sized individual and is going to be a really, really fun player to watch for a long time for the Cardinals. Yeah, when we did uh, when we did the Cardinals preview, we were talking about him being 6'5". You're like, this is a big dude. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. And kind of like – if you really look at the most interesting divisions, we talked about the NL East. We talked about the AL East. The other one is the National League West. It's like the Dodgers have owned this thing for many years. Statistically, they're still far ahead of everybody. Padres had that run in the playoffs, but still there was a big separation between the Padres and the Dodgers during the regular season. Giants have added a bunch of pieces. Uh, I, I'm a little bullish on Arizona. I think they're going to be better. I think they're super athletic. I don't know how much that changes in the standings, but how do you see the NL West? You know, I think I'm going to be picking the Padres. It's another one I keep going back and forth on. But, I mean, overall, the Dodgers are the champs until proven otherwise. But looking at where they're at, especially with now the Gavin Lux injury, I mean, it's been about a month, but knowing they have that moving forward, I just think the Padres are a bit better rounded, and I'm expecting a huge year from Juan Soto, who struggled a bit last year in a way that only he could, where he was still really, really good. I think he'll be the Juan Soto we're used to. I do agree with you about Arizona. I love the youth and athleticism with that team. I think they could finish third ahead of the Giants just with Corbin Carroll and everyone else who's going to be carrying them. Why are you pointing at the screen, Cody? He's over here just pointing at the screen. No, no, I was fist bumping that she picked them to finish out of the Giants. Well, will, will you get on camera then? I mean, you're like you're like reacting to her, and then I don't. I, he's over here making motions. I don't know what the hell he. What, what are you doing over there? Uh, I'm a little disappointed you didn't pick the Pirates from the Central, but it's okay. Next year is their year. I apologize. I, I really. I, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to apologize. Are you kidding me? They stink. Yeah. Well. The, well. Yeah. I, they do got the uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo of baseball and O'Neill Cruz. So, uh, but I'm with you about Arizona. I like Corbin Carroll. Alec Thomas, their pitching staff with Gallon and Merrill Kelly. I think they're going to, like Chris said, and you've talked about, they're going to surprise a lot of people this year. And we really like Tori Lavella, so we couldn't be happier for, for Tori for them to do well. Absolutely. I mean, I think they're going to be really, really fun to watch. And I think that's just a great thing for that division, which has been really binary lately, right? It's been pretty much just Dodgers. We have the one giant year, but now we have the Padres team even better than the last few years with the Diamondbacks on the rise. It's really, really good for baseball. Well, there's one thing that I want in 2023. I want Sarah Langs on the show. I want Sarah Langs on MLB.com. I want Sarah Langs on Twitter every night where I'm going Damn, how did she find that? And then I steal from you. I do mention your name, but I use you all the time for my hits during the game. Sarah Lang said, but uh, so I want as much Sarah Langs as I possibly can get in 2023. That is my number one thing I want for this season. I love it. I will do my absolute best. Always here. Always love chatting with you, both of you. And thank you so much. I mean, I'm really, really excited for the year. You look great and can't wait to talk to you again. Good luck on that podcast. And uh, let's talk very soon. And since I won't talk to you on Thursday, I'll text you. But I want to tell you face-to-face here, happy opening day. 
Happy opening day. We made it. It's pouring here right now in New York, but we made it. We made it to baseball. I'm so, so excited. Be Thank well. You. Be well, my friend. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We wish nothing but the best for Sarah. All of our thoughts and prayers to her. And then the pitching ninja, Rod Friedman. Man, this guy's working for everybody now. Blew up on Twitter. Now pitchers at all levels, from the big leagues all the way down, are looking for his help. This man knows pitching. That's why Rod Friedman is the pitching ninja. You know, let's bring on the pitching ninja. Rod Friedman joins us here on A's Cast Live. Think about this. Now, you, you know about the A's in the 70s, right? And how crazy Charlie Finley was, but they won, they won. Charlie Finley did this all from his office in Chicago. He ran the team that won three straight World Series titles. He was an insurance man, made a ton of money, but he did it all from Chicago. There was no internet. There was no, I mean, he was doing it from a, a, a rotary phone, building this World Series dynasty from Chicago that played in Oakland. Like, you can't make this stuff up. No one would even believe it today that that happened. That is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, like crazy. There was no social media. There was no. no. He wasn't firing off emails. He couldn't even watch the games. He was, he'd was. he have to listen to the game, the play-by-play by phone. <laughs> That's incredible. And you brought back bad memories with rotary phones, man. Why are you doing that? Well, because you and I might be the only people, like all the people are going to watch <laughs> this, you and I might be the only ones old enough to remember that. You, remember how big our life was when we had a phone that didn't have a cord? Oh, my, yeah, absolutely. That was huge. Changed your life. And typewriters that didn't have those keys that stuck and stuff like nobody even knows what a typewriter is how, how about this thing that works the television i don't have to get up and change the channel it just changes it for me it's been fantastic we can be totally lazy and that's what the world should be and then this box showed up we used to have to put a tape in it now we don't have to put a tape in it and it records whatever shows we like Dude, life has definitely gotten a lot better from those days, I think. I do not wish for those old days. If I could change anything, though, I would I would like to get rid of the cell phone and go back to pagers. Because pagers, <laughs> pagers, you knew somebody wanted to talk to you, but you didn't have to get back to them right away. That's a good point, although I don't know what I would do, like, with all the texting and... I don't know. Like, I'm so connected all the time, and I kind of like it, but maybe it isn't for everybody. All right. Will you read all the different people, the pitching ninjas connected? What, what, what do you – I mean, it's amazing how big you have blown up. What? What? Can you read I, – I, let, let's read the resume, as they like oh, no. to say. <laughs> it is amazing. Like, when we first started inter- interviewing you, you were just a guy on Twitter. Go ahead. Uh, Peacock pitching analyst, MLB analyst. Uh, is that DraftKings Sportsbook pitching guru? MLB on Fox analyst. I mean, how many people are you working for? Dude, I, I, I never turn anything down. Come on, right? Like You're collecting checks. I like it. That's the way to get through life. Is <laughs> in- income coming from a lot of different places is a good way to go through life. Now, did I hear you say DraftKings? It's FanDuel. We can't do the DraftKings thing. Oh, now you're not even reading it right, Cody? That's my fault. I read it backwards. I saw the FD and I was like, oh, that's you're gonna Yeah. That's FanDuel Sportsbook. By the way, thank are, you. Are you one of these guys <laughs> that has like a handle that they can get a deal when they sign up? You know, I don't know that I do. I do do picks for them and I'm terrible, apparently. Um, yeah, it's just hasn't been my year so far, but I'm looking to make a run today. Well, that's the thing, is like we all think we can make money off of it. And then we, as my late father would say. They didn't build those casinos in the middle of the desert where there's no water because they lose. (laughs) It's totally true. Like, I go in, you know how much baseball I watch, and and I thought, you know, hey, I got an advantage. Not so much. 
Yeah, gambling humbles everybody really, really fast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you realize the professionals, because all the years doing talk radio, I got all kinds of handicappers in Vegas and guys who won awards and everything, and they'll tell you. I mean, if you're winning just 52% of the time, I mean, that's barely over 50-50 you're doing well, so it's crazy. Uh thing that I want to bring up most with you today, what scares me, of the way that I was brought up pitching and where we are now. And I've actually been reaching out to some orthopedic surgeons, guys who perform Tommy John surgeries, because I'm tired of hearing about this pitch 100. Like, somehow, baseball people, not medical people, baseball people, they saw this number 100, and they made that the can't go up to it, can't go over it, whatever. And from a science standpoint, from medical doctors, there's no proof of anything of 100. But the thing that scares me is that we're pitching, and it's a lot like golf too, we're pitching to the data. And we have guys that are going out there, and they're trying to be max out on everything Every single pitch, whether it's your fastball, your breaking ball, you're taking your body to the limit every single time. And to me, and I want your opinion on it, the fact that we're seeing so many injuries, and we're not ta- we're just not talking Tommy John, we're now talking scapulas, we're seeing all these different injuries. To me, the human body, it just can't take it. And we're getting paid for it, but our bodies can't take it. Well, when you think about it, I mean, in most sports, you're never going to – nobody is that good that they can get by without being – going 100%, and you're dealing with very competitive athletes. So, you know, you think of a race car. You're not going to win if you're backing off and you're not driving real fast. Um, you're not going to win at almost any sport unless you're going 100%. Unfortunately, pitching, it is right now about redlining – for most folks, for a lot of folks, not everybody, but about redlining them – no doubt to, to push it real hard. And I think obviously cutting down the rest with the pitch clock and stuff like that could have something to do with it. Um, who knows, but it definitely, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, there's definitely some kind of tension there. Well, cause we, we were taught years ago that you didn't lay it all out in the first couple innings. You went through a lineup the first time throwing strikes, but I'm not giving you my a stuff. I'm trying to get through, but now front offices have said no i want your a stuff for every single pitch i'll have you go less pick up the rest with the bullpen as we've seen starters go down in innings pitched relievers pick up more innings pitched they want you to be at max everything every single time you go out versus the olden days it was hey we want you to get into the seventh eighth ninth which then you're not going balls to the wall in the very first couple innings so the fact that it's just has changed, and I'm just wondering, even before the pitch, we've been seeing record Tommy Johns at all levels well before the pitch timer. I mean, it's crazy. The kids, I was just talking about it from when I played college baseball. Nobody had Tommy John surgery. It's amazing the amount of velocity. And I'll say this, too. I don't know if it's just velocity on fastball. It's how fast we want to throw everything. We want our breaking balls now to be because to get more spin and to get, you know, it's like – it just to me, it seems like the human body or certain guys' bodies can't take it. Oh, I think there's no doubt that that's true. That certain guys' bodies can't take it. There's obviously reasons behind it because throwing harder reduces batting average, reduces slugging percentage. It it actually can be successful. And it used to be relievers were more failed starters. You had like a yeah. bunch of guys that were you know you shove them in the bullpen. Now you got guys that you know they train to be also balls to the wall out of the bullpen and throw flames. So if you can hand it to, to those guys, you're shortening the game. A little different strategy. Um, but, yeah, no doubt. The other reason why t- you see more Tommy Johns, though, too, is back in the day, it was a randomer surgery. And he, first, it didn't exist. So you go yeah. back in 1960s, there was no Tommy John. Now, now we're then, getting old when we're talking about old, yeah. old the real Tommy John. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> And, and now you're dealing with it where it is fairly routine. We know how to recover from it most of the time. And we can get somebody back most of the time. Uh, so it has the surgery itself has gotten better. So you're able to make a decision that maybe some maybe back in the day you wouldn't have had Tommy John. Now you're saying, okay, well, we can repair this and get the guy to 100% rather than have him at 
90% for some period of time and then risk it. So there are, there are other factors to it, but no doubt um, redlining the body will have issues. This does. Sweeper. Everybody's talking about the sweeper. In my day, we called it a slurve. It was in between. If you didn't have a tight slider and you didn't have a 12-6 curveball, you had the Frisbee going this way. You called it. Pitching coaches hate it, but it was called, we called it a slurve. They're now calling it a sweeper. Now we got the gyro slider. Uh, you're looking at all the data. What truly is the difference between a, for, let's say, right-hander, because lefties are all screwed up because they're coming Yeah, forget about lefties. Uh, you got an over-the-top 12-6 curveball. You got the tight slider. You got a cutter. You got the switch. Like, what is the difference in the gyro slider? I don't even know. What the hell is gyro? <laughs> gyro is more like a, so think of a bullet. And a traditional slider where you see a dot, that's what you're looking at. If you think of how a bullet goes, it's not going to break one way or another. It's going to go mostly down, right? You're going to get the vertical drop to it, but not as much as a 12-6 curveball, which is actually using the seams more to create the drop. So a, a, a gyro slider is more of your traditional slider that will go straight down and not sweep. But it's the still sweeper, spinning like a slider? It is spinning like a slider, But it goes yeah, down so, and not this way. That's right. It so has no this, horizontal break. It's just vertical. Right. So the sweeper is a subset of sliders, just like a two seamers, a, you know, two seamers and sinkers can be different. Two seamers, a subset of fastballs, um, knuckle curves, a subset of curveballs. We now have a subset of sliders because it's not, it, it, there's a reason for it in that there's about three times as many sliders breaking over 12 inches horizontally than there used to be like even five years ago. We're teaching how to change the spin axis to use the seams to create what we're calling seam shifted wake. It's this new force on a baseball that we discovered. It's always been there. People have always thrown a sweeper. There's some subset of people that have always thrown it. You go back and you look at Dave Steed, absolutely threw a sweeper. Nasty. That thing was uh, absolutely San Jose and zone, that, by the way, Dave Steed was from San Jose, California, where we are right now. There you go. So how about that for bringing that up? Mm -hmm. Get extra credit. Uh, but so we just learned more about why the ball moves the way it does. And now coaches are teaching it. They're you're able to replicate it because we have slow-mo cameras. We can tell spin axis. We can do all this stuff. So we can create more of these sliders that actually sweep versus go more vertically. And when you think about it, if somebody's, if you're doing more of a swing, you know, whatever we call it, the launch angle swing, where you're swinging slightly up. If you're doing that, you're probably more likely to run into a, a pitch that's breaking down then that's breaking sideways. If you're breaking sideways or more horizontally, you're likely to either pop it up or miss it or run out of bat. So they're pitcher pitching coach are teaching it for a reason. And it's just a way of, it's basically a subset, just like squares are a subset of rectangles. Sweepers are a subset of sliders and have their own name. People just need to realize that we're, what we're doing as pitchers is we're messing with the human brain and, and hitters eyes right when when things when things are moving like hitters people need to understand that when, when you're up at the plate right now you're you're the hitters eyes have to see it the brain has to say i can swing or not and then the brain has to tell your body swing dummy we're basically fooling hitters with all of this movement and the way the human eyes see objects. It's hard to totally, but but the the eyes see in planes, right? And so when you're throwing it through all these planes, human eyes have a hard time. Like, what the hell is that? And if you got this fast sweeping thing, it's tough for the eyes to kind of pick it up, right? Is that a good way to explain it? Oh, a hundred percent. And and it's one of my favorite things about pitching. I just actually got done talking with Sonny Gray, who talked about pitch tunneling. That's his favorite thing. Yeah. And you, it's one of those reasons why you have fans screaming at the TV, like, why did you swing at that? And it's exactly what you're talking about. You're fooling hitters into believing all these pitches are kind of the same because you're throwing them in the same spot and you're just letting the spin or the, or the seam at this, uh, the seam orientation cause the ball to move differently. And you're fooling hitters. Yes, absolutely. And now you're using science to do it, yeah. which is scary. Like we have such an advantage over hitters. It's almost unfair. So what do we do for hitters? Even though I, I, I'm with you, I, can, I can't, can't forget. I don't World's know. smallest violin? 
Well, I mean, it drives me nuts that they've got all this armor on. They get to use pine tar. We don't get to use pine tar. That drives me nuts. They've got stuff on their shin. They got stuff on their ankles. They've got batting gloves. They got pine tar. They got stuff on the L, but we give them everything. But at some point, we are in the entertainment business. And everybody hitting 210 doesn't work for the entertainment business. So, is there anything that, that you've seen from a hitting standpoint where you go, you know, this might help them out a little bit, uh, or is it just we're at a point to where this is what our game is until we do something dramatic like move the mound back, which I don't like, but I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, great point. And for one, strikeouts are awesome for me. Like it means more tweets and more content like let's not put that down i'm talking to the wrong guy <laughs> but, but i will tell you we do have things that are working um you know you have virtual reality stuff you have now pitching machines that can replicate the spin on almost every type of baseball like every type of pitch so hitters can basically face the pitcher they're facing today in the batting cage so we are able to do a lot of this stuff and it is helping hitters pitching you think about it, it's like golf. You're in 100% control of what of, of your swing in golf. The ball doesn't move. In baseball, you have the ball. The pitcher has the ball. Nothing happens till he throws it, and you should be able to throw it in the spot you want to, the way you want to have it, make it move the way you want to. Hitter's reacting. A hitter's on defense to me, a counterpuncher. So it is tougher for a hitter to you know, get all this science behind it. Golf has broken down the swing for a long time. Pitching mechanics broken down for a long time, tougher in hitting, but I think they're catching up. I mean, we do those machines and virtual reality stuff. Good idea. And uh, yeah, I think, I think it'll level a playing field a little bit. I'm so glad you bring up golf because I'm a big golfer, right? So I know That's why lot, I did it. I know a lot about golf and then I try to explain to our audience and I think they may get tired of it, but there is a lot of similarities that that baseball has now adopted from golf because we've been testing off track man in golf since the late 80s baseball is just slow to adapt because let's face it golf was selling golf clubs and balls so they needed data to sell you hey this is why you need to spend 1200 bucks on irons this is why you need to spend you know you need to spend this for pro v golf balls we give you data and that may so now baseball basically is doing a lot of the same thing when we talk track man hawkeye you know, we talk about the high-speed cameras, Rap Soto. Golf's been using technology to sell equipment for a long time. So there's a lot of similarities. I, I, I like how you bring that up. And when, when I think about pitchers now, as they prepare, do you like, like, I think it was a big mistake when we had Fuji, Shintaro Fujinami, only pitching on Saturdays. It's like, well, what does he do the other six days? <laughs> you got to have feel. Is this? I mean, as much as I just want to throw this thing as hard as I can, I got to feel it. I got to throw strikes. I got to feel comfortable. What do you think about this? We're trying to have guys go less, and I just playing less. How do you get better playing less? Uh, uh, you're hundred percent right in that. Number one, I think feel does suffer. You need to practice. You need to throw and see how hitters are reacting, how your how the ball's reacting. He came over. There's a different baseball too in in Japan versus versus the U.S. So it's it's way different. The other thing is building yourself up. Like with anything, you have to build. Your, you can't go out and run a marathon tomorrow. You just can't if you're not no. training for it. No, right. <laughs> you you go out and try to deadlift 500 pounds when you haven't been yeah. building up to it. You're not going to be able to do it. It's the same thing with pitching. You have to slowly build yourself up to it. And if you overdo rest, it it creates atrophy. So you're going to, I mean, that could also, it could also exacerbate injuries or, or, or just hurt performance. So yeah, there's this fine tension and we're trying to figure it out. I don't know that anybody's got the magic number and it all, it also depends on the person, right? Like yeah. there could be somebody who needs more rest, somebody who needs less rest. So it's really up to that individual hitter, pitcher, whatever. If I was a young pitcher and knowing how much you study it and I was coming up and I'm looking at the big league numbers and I see that big leaguers are, are throwing more whatever the breaking ball we want to cut it. Slider, gyro, cutter. What, they're throwing more breaking balls than fastballs. And I'm a young pitcher. Would you advise me to go that route? Or would you say, wait till you get to that level, still throw more fastballs than breaking balls? So to me, fastball still key. The reason why we're throwing more breaking balls is because fastballs have gotten so fast 
that actually hitters have to gear up for for a fastball that it makes the breaking balls more effective. It makes off speed more effective. So you have to have velocity or just ability to command something before you move on to something else. Now, there is something to be said for for being able to learn how to manipulate a baseball young. I've talked to too many guys that are now in the major leagues able to spin a ball one way or another. Like they can either pronate really well or they can supinate really well. It's because they did that when they were younger. And now it's harder to learn when they're older. There's some of that. But still, fastball is king. Your mechanics are king, and you're not going to learn your mechanics until you learn how to throw a fastball and be smooth with it. Now, we're not talking about grunting every pitch. We're talking about being smooth with the fastball, commanding the zone. That's that's all absolutely important stuff. Pronate, supinate. We're talking same thing <laughs> they talk about in golf. With you're hitting a golf ball. Uh, Sonny Gray, love Sonny Gray. He was he was a great kid when he was with the Athletics, but clearly. At the end, he was getting hit hard. And then he got shipped to New York, and he got that just swallowed him up. And then he got back to Cincinnati, and he got with his old pitching coach from Vanderbilt. And now all of a sudden, now in his 30s, he's resurrected himself. And he's having a great year. Why is Sonny Gray having the success that he's having? The I just When I look at the numbers, it reminds me of a young Sonny Gray in Oakland as an all-star out of Vanderbilt. Yeah, so – what I find with him is he is so ridiculously creative with his pitch types and how he spins the ball. And I think when you're younger, sometimes coaches take that away from you. They're like, they know, you know, because they're you're younger. They're like, this isn't how we do it here. And I think now that he's older and has more freedom to be himself and to really work to his strengths, which is creating different pitches. Like he is amazing his feel for the breaking ball and to create many versions of it on the fly. As a young pitcher, you don't have that confidence to do it. Now he does. And I think that freedom is a big deal for him. Freedom. That's interesting that you say that. Have we taken freedom away from pitchers? I mean, think of a guy like Gaylord Perry would say, and Ray Fossey used to tell us, he called everybody partner. Partner, I got this Vaseline, and I'm going to be putting it all. Can you imagine a pitching coach today? Partner, I got this Vaseline. Well, yeah, he's a Cy Young Award winner in multiple leagues. He's a Hall of Famer. Are you going to tell Gaylord not to use the Vaseline? No. No, that's his key. Or at least pretend like he is and fool everybody and make them all worried. But, I'm touching yeah, something. I mean- <laughs> Do you Like, I love the character of the game. That's part yeah. of the reason we all love it, right? Like, I don't think you should ever cookie cut people. You do need individuality. Um, and we're maybe getting, we're getting a little bit of that back. Like you're allowing people to be free and to move the way they naturally are. But we, before we were cookie cutter people. And I think a lot of pitchers fell victim to it and probably weren't as good as they could have been. And it was because we wanted you where you were pitching to velocity. Like, yeah. This is what we want. We want you. Yeah, and, and like, like Sonny Gray, I mean, Stephen Vogt used to talk about during a game, Sonny Gray's movement would change as a catcher, and Sonny didn't know. It was just natural, and however he was manipulating, and he didn't even know. Like, they would be working together going, I don't know where it's going, but we're getting people out. Let's do it. I mean, that's that that's pitching, right? You're deceiving the hitter rhythm. Our, our pitching coach, Scott Emerson, says hitters hitting's timing. Pitching is disrupting the timing. Sonny Gray w- w- was great at that. And that's where I think of, of of guys. So I got to touch one of these balls, the new tacky ball they're trying out in Double A. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it was tacky. I mean, I didn't I didn't throw with it, but I got to. It's definitely tacky. Where are we now on trying to find something that we don't have the 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 problems like we have with a Max Scherzer at Dodger Stadium where. Uh, you know, I don't know, pine tar, I put alcohol, I washed it. Oh, it's now all over my glove. I have no idea. I swear on my kids. How do we get away from that? Do you believe in making the ball tacky? Do you think that will work? I, I think we need to do something because right now having the umpires do a field test, like this feels sticky to me, so I'm going to I'm gonna eject you, or this isn't quite as sticky as this, or yeah. this is a sticky. Like that's not a standard. Come on. We have the ability to – we know spin rates during games. We can look at that and see if somebody's spin rates are up, if they're if it looks fishy. Um, but we also could do away with this. Like right now, it's the Wild West. I mean, we've we're saying we're cracking down, but if only one umpiring crew is actually really cracking down, 
are they just you know showing off or are they just making it all about themselves or are they the only ones taking it seriously who knows but it, we need more faith in the game and faith in the honesty of of this so i think attack your ball is the way to go i think the current ball maybe we're seeing a little bit odd results like it's giving pitchers even more of an advantage which like we were just talking like yeah. is it fair like is it fair to give pitchers double the advantage now maybe not well what do you want do you want me to bring a <laughs> Dan Plesak, who was a terrific closer back in his day, and he's been an, an awesome analyst on MLB Network. He has That's the run, he has the running joke going back in his day. They used to say, "Don't go out to the mound alone," which meant you were always loaded with something. So, do you want me to go out loaded with something, or do you want the ball to be tacky? Pick one. one something's going to happen. What do you want? I totally agree. Like if we're going to have rules. It shouldn't be about who's willing to bend and break the rules. It should be an even playing field. So give me a baseball. Say we're not going to allow anything out there. And give me a baseball that's reasonably tacky enough. Um, they're able to do it. In Japan's baseball's tacky. They're able to do it. So why can't we do it? I think we can. I, I do think the experiment is is a little. It's we gotta we gotta see what happens because if we come up and people are throwing sweepers now that are breaking two two and a half feet and no one's able to hit anything. It might be a little tough for, for fans. Yeah, it might not be good for the product, but we'll see. And, you know, in the end, it's about the entertainment. Business. I got I got to tell you this, and we'll end on this. So it was last year I'm at a San Jose State football game. I got my Spartan shirt on, and I had a pitching ninja hat on. And it was at the end of the game. I'm, we're walking out of the stadium, and this kid goes, pitching ninja. And I went, wow. At a San Jose State football game, someone recognized the hat I was wearing. When when you're just randomly being noticed throughout the country, that's when you know life's pretty good for the pitching ninja. Dude, it it, it still never gets old at all. Like I love that, and it just means that maybe we had an effect on something. Maybe people yeah. like if it helps people be fans of the game. I think it's awesome, and I I do love that. Like that's a that's fantastic. Like, tell them, tell them about your merch. Let's sell some merch. <laughs> Go to PitchingNinja.com. We got everything for you. And you got it in all the team colors? We do. Oh, and Ro you go to Rotowear as well. They sell the Pitching Ninja stuff, and it, we, we've got everything. You notice I have my little – I made my light, like, A's colors right back there. I can change the colors of that. I, I'm just I, – I love, like, you got, like, the the – the eyes of the ninja are red on your hat. That is awesome. Yeah, this is a new one we tried out. It's a, and I, I do, I think this is, uh, it's one of my favorites. It's like a snake almost. You know how they do those snakes <laughs> with the red eye? I mean, that is sweet. <laughs> Little evil look. Willie, you know what? You're helping make baseball cool, and that's what we need. We need to make baseball cool. We really do. And I don't think the sport does a good job of that. I think. They're starting to maybe a little giving people freedom, but the idea that that it's fun, right? The sport is all about having fun, competing, and pointing out why this, instead of looking at everything being a home run, sometimes pitchers deserve some love too, and that's what I'm all about. Like, show me all the nasty pitches. Don't, don't, don't get me started on, we are the only sport. I'll let you use this. We're the only sport where we've diminished the guy who handles the ball or the object. Yeah. Right. And totally I say agree. I say this to people and they just go, what? I go in football, the guys who handle the ball are the stars, the quarterback, the receivers, the running backs in basketball. It's the point guard and the score in hockey. It's the center and the score that are always having the puck. The stars have the object, always have the object in baseball. We've diminished the starter by saying wins don't matter, we don't pitch them as much, and now all of a sudden I, I keep score every game. I can show you my scorebook. It's just a assembly line of no-name reliever after no-name reliever. After We used to grow up with pitching matchups, and people were excited. We're talking about the great Vita Blue. People paid, and, and people would come out of nowhere to go to, whether it's Detroit or Minnesota or Kansas City or wherever, because this guy Vita Blue, people used to pay to come see the starters now you come to see the starter. He's out in the fourth or fifth inning. We have taken away the power of the guy who has the ball, and we don't even have star closers anymore. 
Yeah, the one thing, if you look around the league, you will see some, like, I think starting pitching is actually at almost its its heyday, its peak. They just aren't there long enough. You're right. Like, you know, I go there, I want to see Zach Gallon is a freaking stud. Yeah. Does, the, does the whole world know who Zach Gallon is? Probably not. Is he one of the best pitchers in baseball? Yeah, Shane McClanahan last night, fantastic pitcher. Um, but I don't think they're household names, and maybe that is part of it. Either we're not hyping it enough, they're not staying a game long enough, whatever it is, um, you know, I th- things need to change. Well, I'll tell you what, you, you're a baseball fan and you got an idea for a birthday gift, any type of present, and I say that for, for Christmas because I have your, I also have your, your coffee mugs. You can give the merch from the Pitching Ninja out and all baseball fans will love it. So not only do you love him on Twitter and then the 8,000 companies he works for now, you can (laughs) buy his merch and I tell you all baseball fans will love it. You are the best, my friend. Don't be a stranger. Let's talk soon. And you know I'm out here to sell stuff for you. (laughs) Dude, you rock. I love being on here. See you later. We'd like to thank Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic, Sarah Langs from MLB.com, and The Pitching Ninja for all stopping by A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.